0: Well, we begin this morning our journey towards Christmas. It is December, and as we work our way towards Christmas, we will this month be looking at miraculous births. So we're going to begin this morning with the birth of Samson. We're going to take a break next week. We're going to have a special uh, topic to go with our members' meeting. And then we'll resume the week after that and follow through all the way to Christmas Day, looking at some of the miraculous births that occur throughout the Bible. Now, those of you who have spent any time at all in Sunday school are probably reasonably familiar with the story of Samson, at least with the end part of his life. And If you did spend some time in Sunday school and you are familiar with that story, then you're probably wondering what on earth it has to do with Christmas at all. And if you didn't, and so you aren't familiar with that story, I'm gonna give you a bit of a recap of the life of Samson so that we can all set off on the same foot, equally confused about what any of this has to do with the Christmas story. So, an angel appears to Samson's mother and tells her that she will have a child. Now, she's a woman who has been unable to have a child. Angel appears, tells her that she will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, that part sounds kind of Christmassy, but from there on, I'll let you be the judge. So, the angel gives her some instructions. About how she is to raise this son. And one of those instructions is that she's not to cut his hair um, f- for his life. And this turns out to be a critically important instruction for uh, young Samson. The mother gives birth, she raises the child as she has been instructed to do. The child grows, he becomes strong. In fact, he becomes the strongest man in all of the Bible and God uses him to wreak havoc and bring chaos upon the Philistines who were the enemies at that time of God's people. Now as he grows Samson develops a bit of a weakness for the ladies. And this is a weakness that will become a recurring theme throughout his life. And the first is a young Philistine woman that Samson sees and he tells his father that he must have her. And so he demands his father go and gets her. And on his way to visit her, a lion comes towards Samson and the spirit of the Lord strengthens him and he is able to tear that lion limb from limb with his bare hands, kills the lion. Then on another visit back to marry this same woman Samson comes across a hive of honeybees in the carcass of the lion, and that inspires him to create a riddle, which he asks his wedding guests to solve. They can't, so they threaten to kill his new wife and family if she doesn't tell them the answer to Samson's riddle, which tells us a lot about the state of the world in the time of the judges that his own wedding guests want to kill his wife and his family. Eventually his wife extracts the answer out of Samson and gives it to them. They tell it to Samson and he kills 30 men to pay off the bet that he had made about whether or not they could solve this riddle. Samson returns to visit his wife only to find that his father-in-law won't let him. Not only that, his father-in-law has given his wife away to another man who happened to be present at the wedding. So this makes Samson quite angry and he catches 300 foxes and he ties them together in pairs by their tail and between their tail he puts lit torches and he sends them out into the Philistine's grain fields. This, of course, does not make Philistines very happy as they watch all of their grains go up in smoke and they extract revenge on Samson by setting fire to his wife and his father-in-law. Samson goes ahead and kills a whole bunch of them and goes off and hides in a cave. The Philistines want to fight the Israelites so that they can take Samson prisoner. But the Israelites decide it's probably better if they go and get Samson themselves and present him to the Philistines. So that's what they do. And Samson allows himself to be tied up by the Israelites and for them to take him and present him to the Philistines. But when they do that, once again, the spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson and his great strength just causes the ropes to just fall off him uh, as though they were like burnt chaff. Samson then kills a thousand of the Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Samson then sleeps with a prostitute in another town and the people of that city learn that he's there and so they gather by the gates of that city wanting to kill him at dawn. Samson instead rises in the middle of the night, walks through the gates, carrying them with him The fact that they were closed wasn't any problem to him. He just hoists them on his shoulder and walks off into the night, evading capture. Samson then falls in love with another woman. Her name is Delilah. She's probably the one that you're most familiar with. The Philistine leaders strike a deal with Delilah. They want her to get Samson to tell them the source of his great strength so that they can make use of that information there's much toing and froing between samson and delilah eventually she is able to extract that the secret of his great strength lies in his hair and if his braids are cut off his strength will be gone delilah lulls him to sleep the philistines move in they cut off the braids of his hair the lord departs from samson and his strength is gone. Philistines capture Samson. They gouge out both of his eyes. They bind him up and they use him to grind up grain. Samson's hair starts to grow back. The Philistines hold a great feast and a great celebration where they want to praise their god Dagon for delivering this Samson into their hands. And so thousands of them gather in the temple. And Samson is brought out to perform like a circus animal in front of them. And he moves to where the pillars are supporting the temple and he prays to be strengthened by God just one more time. And he is and he pushes on those pillars of the temple And the temple collapses, killing everyone, including himself. You may well ask, what does any of this have to do with Christmas? And hopefully, by the end of this morning, you will find out. You see, the birth of Jesus was not the only miraculous birth in the Bible. In fact, quite far from it. There are at least seven that I can think of, seven plus Jesus. Now, seven's a great number in the Bible. It speaks of completeness and perfection. So I would not be surprised if seven is the total, but I could be wrong. You may well be able to find more. I've only found seven. Each, in each of these miraculous births, the child was born to couples who were either well past childbearing years who were barren. And the scripture references that are on the screen support that. So if we take a look at them, you will see that each of them adds something to the story of the birth of Christ. Each of them points towards something or someone who was to come. So Isaac was born to Sarah and Abraham. Isaac You might remember as a young boy was then later offered in obedience as a sacrifice to God until God intervened and miraculously provided a ram caught in the thicket to be the sacrifice. So from this first miraculous birth, we learn of this concept of God's gracious provision of a sacrificial lamb. Jacob was then born to Rebekah and Isaac. Jacob, you might remember, wrestled with God. And when he could wrestle no more, he clung to God and he asked for and he received God's blessing. And from that point on, God referred to him no more as Jacob, but as Israel. And he went on to father 12 sons and from them came the 12 tribes of Israel. They were God's chosen people. Joseph was then born to Rachel and Jacob. Joseph, you may remember, delivered God's people from famine. Samson, who we will speak about today, was born to Manoah and his wife. She doesn't get a name in the Bible. She's just his wife and Samson's mother. Samson also would deliver God's people, this time from the hands of the Philistines. Samuel was born to Hannah and Elkanah. Samuel was Israel's last judge and first prophet. He also functioned as priest and he ushered in the period of kingship. And all of those roles... Judge, prophet, priest, king would later be fulfilled by this one who was to come, the Messiah. Then we move on to an unnamed boy who was born to a Shunammite woman and her elderly husband in the days of Elisha. Now what does that young boy contribute to this story of Jesus Christ? Well, that boy died and he was miraculously resurrected. And then we have John the Baptist, born to Elizabeth and Zechariah. He was Israel's last prophet and, of course, the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah. So each one of these miraculous births has something key to contribute or to point towards in some way the coming Of the Messiah. Now, ultimately they would only be a foretaste. Each of these children, whilst their births were miraculous, each of them were conceived in the natural way. Only one of them was born apart from nature and of course that would be Jesus Christ born to the Virgin Mary. So we probably should have started this series eight weeks ago so that we could cover each one of these because each one of them has something to consider but there's not eight weeks in December so we're only going to give you a taste and we leave it to you to have a look at the rest of them in your own time. So this morning we're looking at Samson and you will find the story of his birth in the book of Judges in chapter 13. Lorna read just a few snippets from that story there. It is a truly remarkable story. The angel of the Lord appears to a barren, childless woman, telling her that she will conceive and will have a son and that this child will be set apart to God from birth. Now, the woman then goes on to describe this angel of the Lord to her husband, Manoah. And she describes him as a man of God who looked like an angel of God. Very awesome, she said. He was very awesome. Now, the identity of this angel of the Lord is important in this story. Unlike the angel who visited Mary to tell her about the birth of Jesus, this angel is not named Gabriel. So Mary's angel, we're told, in Luke's account, was named Gabriel. When Manoah asks this angel if he was the one who had previously spoken with his wife, rather than saying yes, he says, I am. And that's our first clue this morning. And then when he's asked directly what his name is, the angel replies, why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. Or some versions, the NIV says, seeing it is beyond understanding. So by Manoah's wife's description, this angel was a very awesome man of God, He describes himself as I am and his name is wonderful or beyond understanding. Are you starting to get a picture of who this particular angel might be? So, Manoah and his wife bring an offering, they sacrifice a young goat and as the flame rises up from the altar, this angel of the Lord ascends toward heaven. In the flame and this causes a reaction from manoa and his wife they they hit the decks they fall face down and by now manoa has no doubt about the identity of this angel we are doomed to die he says to his wife we've seen god so The evidence from the context here suggests that the birth of Jesus was not the only time that God took it upon himself to come to this earth. In this instance, he came as the angel of the Lord. Now, many scholars hold this to be a pre incarnate Jesus Christ himself who came for a short time to visit this particular couple to give them this news. Not all scholars hold that view, but many do. Either way, Manoah and his wife are in no doubt that they have seen God. They are convinced, or he is convinced, that he is doomed to die as a result. Fortunately, His wife is much more measured and logical. And she concludes, well, why would this angel come and visit us and tell us all these things, including the fact that we are about to conceive and give birth to a son if, in fact, we're about to die right on the spot? Now, this angel appeared first to the woman and then to her husband, which sounds familiar. Gabriel appeared first to Mary and then in a dream to the husband. So already there are some similarities here with the birth of Jesus, but there are plenty more and I'm going to step you through them quite quickly because there are quite a few. So this child who would be born was to be set apart for God or to God from birth. He would be what's known as a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite was someone who took a vow, and usually that vow was for a defined set of time. And they took that vow so that they could set them apart for that period of time, set themselves apart for that period of time, wholly dedicated to God. And during that time, there were a number of things that that person was was or wasn't allowed to do. You, you'll find all those details in Numbers chapter 6, verses 3 to 7. So they weren't allowed to drink wine or similar drinks. They weren't allowed to cut their hair. And they weren't allowed to make themselves become unclean by going near a, a dead body or something like that. And they would separate themselves in that way and... At the end of that specific period, they would offer a sacrifice, they would cut their hair, and the vow that they entered into would be formally completed. Not so for Samson. This child, Samson, was to be set apart for life to God. He would be a Nazarite for life. Now, Jesus whilst not formally a Nazarite, lived a life that was wholly dedicated to god he was completely set apart because he was completely committed to doing the father's will now interestingly when we compare the the childhoods of jesus and samson we find that the Bible doesn't really tell us anything much about either of their childhoods. That's another similarity. From Jesus, we just have one incident, that incident when he was found in the temple. From Samson, we just have a single sentence. That sentence says, he grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. That's all we have for the most part the record just skips over their childhoods altogether. Both Samson and Jesus acted in the power of the Holy Spirit. Frequently in the record of Samson, we are told that the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And that spirit gave him that supernatural strength that he had that enabled him to fight with lions or to push down the the great temple on the the Philistines after his baptism we are told that Jesus was full of the holy spirit and that he was acting in the power of the spirit both samson and jesus experienced rejection in their lives rejection at the hands of their their own people samson was rejected by his father-in-law and his wife. Returning to visit his wife, he found that father-in-law had already given her away to another man who happened to be at the wedding. Jesus, of course, was rejected by many in the wider group of his disciples. Even his own family members at times didn't believe in him. And those of his inner circle would deny and betray him. Jesus was not unfamiliar with rejection. Both Samson and Jesus were mocked and abused. After Delilah had tricked Samson into telling her the secret of his great strength, the Philistines wasted no time in coming in and removing those braids of his hair. They then gouged his eyes out, they bound him up with ropes, and they set him to work grinding grain in the prison. And they used him for their own entertainment. Jesus was despised, he was rejected by men, he was whipped, he was repeatedly mocked by those around the cross. Both of these men were mocked and abused. In death, both men would spread their arms wide. Jesus on the cross and Samson between those two pillars of the temple. Samson had been brought out to perform for the crowd that had gathered at the temple where they were celebrating the delivery of Samson into their their hands and praising this god Dagon uh, that they worshipped. The temple was packed full. The account there says that all the rulers of the Philistines were there. The temple was packed and on the roof there were another 3,000 gathered to see Samson perform. And with his eyes gouged out, Samson was completely dependent on the servant who was bringing him in to get him through the crowd and to where they wanted him to be. And when he brought him in, Samson asked him to take him to where the great pillars of the temple were so that he could steady himself on those pillars and lean against them. And there, Samson prayed. To the Lord. O oh, sovereign Lord, he said, remember me. O oh God, please strengthen me just once more. Let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And then he braced himself against those pillars, one hand on one pillar, one hand on the other. And he called out, let me die, with the Philistines. And with that, he pushed, and the temple came down on that great crowd, killing them and killing him with them. In death, Samson crushed the Philistine enemy. In death, Jesus would crush the head of the serpent, Satan the devil. He died to redeem us from the power of Satan. Now, there are many remarkable similarities between the birth and the life of Jesus and of Samson. They're enough to make anyone sit up and take notice. And that's what I believe each of these miraculous births do. They're there. For us to take notice of what God is doing through the pages of history. But there are many differences and the differences are important because they teach us to look away from Samson the strong man and the mighty judge of Israel and look towards the one who was coming. Samson Again, the delivery of Israel from the Philistines. Jesus would deliver the whole world from the grip of sin. Samson was Israel's judge for a very short time. Jesus will come to judge the whole earth. And there's one word in Judges 13 in this account of the birth of Samson that sticks out above all others. So if you've got your scriptures there, I want you to take a look, Judges 13, see if you can find it, I'll narrow it down for you, it is in verse 5, there's one word, it's a critically important word, when you find it you need to circle it or highlight it or something because it tells us how to understand this story of Samson and it's all encapsulated in one word, And that word is begin. He will begin the deliverance of Israel. When this story was written down, the person who wrote it down intended that we don't look here for the end of this story. This is just the beginning. It points somewhere else for the ending of that story. And since Samson is the last judge in the book of Judges, you aren't gonna find the ending in the book of Judges. We need to look beyond the book of Judges to someone else who was to come because Samson dies in this story and he doesn't come back. (laughs) The birth of Samson would have brought great honor to his parents because they had been childless. And in those days, to be childless was a great shame in that kind of society. It's not like that anymore, but it was back then. For Mary and Joseph, the pregnancy and birth of Jesus would have had the opposite effect on them rather than bringing great honour to them, it brought disgrace upon them because everyone would have assumed that this child was conceived out of wedlock and in those days, that was a great shame. Now Samson and Jesus were two very different characters. Samson was arrogant, impulsive, aggressive and he readily succumbed to temptation Jesus was compassionate. Jesus was completely controlled by God's will. Jesus was loving. And he did not succumb to temptation. He stood firm. Samson was proud. Jesus was humble. Samson became strong by the power of the Holy Spirit for a time. Jesus, in the power of that same Holy Spirit, became weakness for us. He humbled himself. He took on human form with all of its limitations for a time for us. He became a servant for us. The king of kings became poor and lowly for us. Righteousness became sin for us. Jesus didn't choose to pull down a temple on his enemies or to call down all the fire of heaven and burn them all up in an instant. He chose a different way. He chose to die for them. And in death, he disarmed Satan, who was the enemy. Now, children in Sunday school are often impressed by the great strength of Samson. Samson the Nazarite. Sometimes they learn a moral lesson by learning the terrible things that happened in Samson's life, the consequences of his own moral failings, but rarely are they taught to look beyond Samson the one who was strong on the outside and yet very weak on the inside, to see the one to whom he points, to Jesus, the Nazarene. Very rarely are they taught to see the shadow that Samson casts with his arms outstretched between those two pillars. The world has always had plenty of strong men. It still has plenty of strong men. And we still have plenty of problems in the world today. The world does not need more strong men. The world really needs a saviour. A humble, sinless servant king full of the Holy Spirit who would do for us what we could not do for ourselves, what no strong man could do for us, and that is to offer himself up as a perfect sacrifice for sin. And so what was begun in Samson is fulfilled in Christ, but then some more. Samson, it says, began the deliverance Of israel jesus completed the deliverance of all who would call on his name and that is the true gift of christmas that samson's story points us toward let's pray father it is a true joy for us to see your hand at work through all of the pages of scripture, to see how history points towards the coming Messiah and to see the way that you have woven your will through each of these miraculous births. We praise you, Father, for sending us exactly what we needed, not another strong man, but a saviour a divine saviour we marvel at your grace toward us your sacrificial love for us and we worship you amen if you would like to stand we're going to sing our closing song god of grace and holiness